on the set. Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsler. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member, and I'm also a producer at Tile Media and Jumper Productions. In our latest podcast, we explore the opportunities available for members through the Irish language. The panel features TG Cahar Commissioning and Acquisitions Editor Laura Nicholig, Director Rachel Moriarty, Filmmaker Martina Durak, and Emmy Award-winning Producer Siobhan Nigara, and is moderated by our Chair Dr Susan Liddy. Just to note, we had some technical difficulties in some parts of the audio on this particular podcast. Our apologies and please bear with us. Hello everyone and you're very welcome to another WIFT webinar. We're delighted this evening to have a panel talking about TG Cahar and the, the I suppose the importance of TG Cahar uh, within Irish cultural life and particularly screen life I suppose and also to kind of engage with TG Car, which we've wanted to do for some time to get into the conversation about uh, what are the possibilities for our members and I know that may very much depend on whether our members have Irish or the caliber of their of, of their Irish if they do have it or perhaps there are some other ways uh, to be uh, collaborative if you don't have Irish so some of these things we're going to talk about tonight and I want to introduce our panelists to start with I kick off with Laura Nicalic, who's a commissioning and acquisitions editor with TG Cahar. Laura develops, commissions and manages a wide slate of projects across all genres for national and international markets, with a particular focus on documentary, music and entertainment programming. And Laura is also responsible for acquisitions for the station, dramas, documentary, music, performance and feature films from around the world. Prior to taking up her role with Teaching Car in 2015, Laura was an award-winning freelance producer and director, focusing particularly on documentary and arts projects. And her credits include the IFTA and Celtic Media Award-winning documentary, Podioche, Rion Farosta, musical entertainment series, Kjol Court, and the IFTA-winning documentary series, High Hopes Choir. You're very welcome, Laura. Moving on now to Rachel Moriarty, Rachel is a freelance director of drama, documentary, and factual programming, and she works across many genres, factual format, television, entertainment, children's art, children's programming, arts, and so on. And she has co-written and directed two feature films, the award-winning Traders and McGraw Boone, currently in post-production. A third feature with the intriguing title, What I Know About Men, is in development and supported by Fischern, uh, Screen Ireland. So that will be interesting to hear more about in a bit. Also, uh, Rachel has worked in documentary and uh, has a number of credits across that as well. I am shortening the, the very impressive uh, CVs that these women have here tonight. Uh, Martina Girac, then Martina with member Martina and fellow uh, Limerick woman uh, Martina. Um, Martina has been a filmmaker, trainer, lecturer in film for over 25 years. As I say, born and brought up in Limerick and has lived in many places across the world. Now uh, residing in Wicklow, where she runs her production company, Phoenix Films. Martina worked as a series originator, producer and director on several long running art series and has very strong working relationships, not only with TG Cahar, of course, but with all the broadcasters and funding bodies, whether that be Screen Ireland, RTE, the Arts Council, BAI and Virgin Media. She's produced feature documentaries and award-winning projects across a range of topics. And she serves on a number of boards as well, like the European Documentary Network, and she's a member of the Documentary Alliance of Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, and so on. Finally, uh, Siobhan Igaira. Siobhan, you're very welcome. Two times Emmy Award winner, has numerous credits for both animation and live action productions throughout her career. She began her career at Roger Corman's Irish Film Studios in 1998 and was later appointed head of production at Telegale and chief operating officer prior to leaving to establish Danu Media in 2014. She's currently executive producer on Ross the Room, uh, as we know, one of Ireland's longest running TV drama series and has a range of credits in which include executive producer on Fair Bola for TG Cahar, executive producer on the feature film Sanctuary, which won the best uh, award for best uh, first Irish feature film at the Galway Film Flaw a couple of years back, 
and she's a member of the Board of TG Carr and Chair of Creative Europe Desk in Galway, as well as a number of other uh, uh, boards and so on. Welcome to everybody. I'm really delighted uh, that you joined us. And I suppose I want to first start off by saying a bit of an early happy birthday to TG Carr, <laughs> who are celebrating uh, in a couple of months their um, the 25 years uh, and uh, I would like to wish just not only for myself, but from all of us in WIFT, a very, very happy birthday. And TG Garen have certainly made quite an impact. I think everybody would agree on uh, the broadcasting and uh, screen landscape in Ireland. So we send you all our very best wishes. Nora, can I come back to you and get stuck in for a minute? From your position, okay, re let's remind ourselves, first of all, TG Carr is far more and far bigger than some of our members wanted to collaborate with you. So I want to establish that uh, first and foremost, because it, it does have a very important place in Irish culture, I think. But from your point of view, let's kick off from, from the perspective of our members out there who are probably wondering, is there anything for me in relation to can I in any way get involved? So I suppose I want you to talk about the centrality of the Irish language and how maybe there are ways for people or are there ways for people whose Irish may not be as strong as you would wish or that they would wish maybe to get involved. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. Well, I guess with Gurmagat there, I suppose like all channels, when TG Carr are looking at content and are looking at teams to create it or looking for Good, good ideas, good quality content, and strong teams that can produce and direct and make it happen on screen. Yeah. Um, like we commission across all the genres from documentary, drama, entertainment, sport, short form, etc. And I suppose what we always look for is distinctively Irish content, something that's really going to resonate with Irish audiences on a national scale and also the diaspora. In terms of working through the Irish language, I think there's lots of opportunities. You know, I guess for us, I suppose it's key that people who are pitching to us so have an understanding of our audience who watch the channel, who get a sense about what we do, what we make, what kind of slots we have, what our tone, what our personality is. Yeah. And, and that's probably more important than the nuts and bolts, bolts and techni technicalities, I guess, of the language and being able to have your grammar that and your mokinilak in order in a general sense. We'll, of course, want to want that. You know, we want the Irish, we want to make content that is in the Irish language. But in terms of a team, you know, very often writers can team up with producers or directors that have spoken Irish. Like there's, there's very often, let's say, in a documentary sense where we might have a producer that might come to us with an idea and we'd ask them to team up with a director that has worked with this before or has fluent Irish that we know can you know, deliver the final product at a level that we'll be happy with. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, we have our new Cine Catter, well, not really new anymore, sorry, three or four years old Cine Catter scheme, which is for future yes. films. And through that as well, there's a lot of opportunity on, on a lot of levels in terms of... Food. Laura, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Now, I don't deal with it directly, yep. so I am the expert on it, but Cinecata was a scheme that was established about four years ago to develop and produce feature films in the Irish language. So we moved away from producing drama series as much and moved to um, Cinecata, which was... An effort as well, we have a motto with TG Carr Gokot that we're everywhere, that we're in the cinemas, that we're on your phones, in, your, in, your, in the digital world, that we're on your telly screens. So we've produced, we basically there's around every year where about four or five features are chosen to be developed and then one or two of those goes to production every year. This with the BAI and Screen Ireland as, as partners as well. So we've had a number of successes and she's heard of Arrow. I loved it, Laura. I just loved it, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's, that's a great news this week, as well as being picked up by a US um, option. Um, Finky, there's um, and, and a couple more that are on the way, I and mean, Rachel has been involved in some of them. She can talk about that more directly. So yeah, so we, uh, there's been a lot of opportunities there for new writers, new directors, and one or two of those rounds had a specific focus where we asked specifically for female writers and directors to be attached in an effort to encourage more female writing and directing talent in that sphere. No, yeah, that's great. And we will come back to that. Uh, Laura, you mentioned there, Teacher Carr's particular tone and, 
you know, and, and of course you need to look at what broadcaster, you need to, to look very closely at, at your audience too. What is Sul Ella for you? <laughs> yeah, Sul Ella was a, a phrase coined by Porico Kira, who was our last Cahir look for many years. He, he retired two or three years ago and he was always great at, uh, at a bit of spin. <laughs> I think he was kind of a bit of a politician at art and um, that's where he started off as well. But Sulele literally means, you know, another eye, another vision. But I think in terms of teacher care, it's very important. And, you know, you talk about, I suppose, diversity and stuff like that as well. You know, we, we are a minority language television station and therefore we don't take the straight down the line view when it comes to content. We try to do things that are a little bit left of field, that are taking... I guess, yeah, a, diff a different view on things, giving a different perspective, giving voices to other voices, maybe yeah. the non-Dublin-centric non a lot of the times, even though I'm, I'm based in Dublin and have, have that background. But we're looking, you know, we're looking more at Ireland as a whole and the experience for everybody in that sense. And I think as well, in terms of Sulele, we also can be a little bit more risky. In, in terms of our decision-making, where we can take chances on things, be a little bit more agile, and be, we hope, a little bit more entertaining when we can, and and, and have that Irish uh, sense of humour attached to topics when we try and approach them, you know, and don't have to be, I suppose, um, the big giant that is RTE and that has to take on topics a certain way, you know, for the, for the country nationally. Great, Laura. We, I, we, I'll come back to you. That, that's uh, that's really interesting to know. So if I, if I come to the panel and, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want to go through you like an assembly line. So please feel free to just hop in. But maybe I'll start, uh, Siobhan, with, with you. And can I ask just a, a basic thing first? I'm curious about whether you are all fluent Irish language speakers, first of all. And um, uh, Siobhan, are, are you... Yes, I'm a native speaker. So I was brought up in yes. I was brought up in Furbo, which is just okay. outside Galway City, technically yeah. in the Gaeltach, but the reality yeah. is even when I was a child there, yeah. there wasn't much Irish spoken. And um I'm unusual in a sense in that my father was a Limerick man who learned his Gaelic, but was particularly passionate about the language, who married Siobhan, a, a isn't, um, Limerick very well represented Absolutely, here. yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking when you said Martina yeah. earlier. So, you know, Limerick is very well represented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was brought up, I live I live in a house that was built where my mother grew up, about two miles west of Spittle. So, and I have four children who are all being brought up bilingually um, here and attend a Gaelic school and so on. So, yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it's great. Can I just just ask briefly, uh, and I'll come back to you, Siobhan. Martina, do you do you have language, Irish language? Are you fluent? And if so, how how did that come about? Um, well, I was brought up in the city, as uh, same as yourself, um, yeah. and I didn't go to an Irish school or anything right. like that. But I always loved the language. Um, probably unusual in my school at the time, you know. But everybody has that sort of background or experience to some extent I think uh, yeah I always loved it I don't know I just it, was, it just hit me yeah but in any event I just you know I went away I left school I went to college I did lots of other things before going back to to film school and so I never I can't say that I improved my fluency or anything like that during that period of time I didn't but it was still kind of always there you know oh. as something that I cared about and then Literally, what happened to me was that I started doing a lot of work for TG Car. Right. And TG Car were on the go for some time now before I did, because I think when TG Car started first, there were a couple of things. And at that stage, I was already producing and directing stuff. You know, there were a couple of things that stopped a number of people and certainly people like me um, even looking towards TG Car. One was yeah. their budgets, I'll be honest, at the time. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And the second thing was, oh, fuck, I don't know if my language skills would be sufficiently good or if they'd even mm. sort of consider working with me. I think that was there was a feeling kind of in the early yeah. days that, you know, you would be really fluent. Um, anyway, I, I pitched something to them, which was an arts show. Mm. And it ran for five years and it was 35 weeks of the year. And that, I'll tell you now, was a good way of improving my language skills. Oh. And I would say that I got to the point where my, my understanding is very good. Um, my speaking skills, they're, they're good enough, but I mean, they're not, you know, they're nothing like yeah. or, or, or Siobhan, I wouldn't suggest otherwise. But I still have the great love of it. And I do, when I'm working, when I'm doing projects for TGCAR, you know, I conduct my conversations yes. on yes. and with the people that I'm filming yes. with. Um, and I love it. And my son 
Like he went to a girl's school yeah. and girl collage there and has now just finished school. So it's always been important and we would speak with each other. And, and, and when you were initially, you, you mentioned the budgets. Well, OK, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean mm. we all know that. But I mean, that's just uh, that's just the, the reality of the situation. Sure. But did you feel self-conscious approaching Tijikar when, despite your love of Irish, did you feel, oh, God, like I don't have... No, I, I tell you, I think because... Um, I think because with that, with the arts show particularly, it was just an idea that I had. They were looking for an art show. I mean, I didn't just go and pitch an art show to them. And um, I remember just one day thinking, I saw the person who in fact ended up presenting it and I had known him years before. I thought, well, okay, that's kind of interesting. I think I'll actually pitch this to TJ Carr, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, then I would have to say, of course, to the team then that I surrounded myself with were fluent Irish speakers. Yes. You know, yes. so they were women, as it happened. Um, so the, the women who came on board were fluent Irish speakers. Yeah. And obviously Parik was, Parik Brannock. Um, and then I just kind of immersed myself oh. in it with them, you know, and did as did as well as I could yeah. in the circumstances. But I knew that the only way was like to, yeah. to do that. But you I mean, know? interestingly, Artina... But I didn't do anything formally. I didn't go back and do any yes, other... No, no, I'm exactly. not sure that that was the right or the wrong yeah. thing. It doesn't matter anyway. Yes. It's what happened. Yes. But it was good to, you know, just be having meetings. Yeah. And they would go between, obviously, they would go between English and Irish. Yes. Um, and... I mean, initially, I think because we recorded in TJ Carr, um, you know, most of the series. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, I would have been aware. I would have been aware, like, mm, I'm not fluent. You know, I'm kind of feel slightly awkward about this sort of thing. Um, but then that dissipated and you yeah. just get stuck in. You're doing the work. And then what happened for me personally, and I'll stop here now because I know you want to talk about other things, was that I found the approach in teaching car extremely supportive for documentary makers. And that's, that's really at heart, like what I was. Mm. Um, and the commissioning editors that I was talking to in those early days, they were just really interested in ideas. Mm. Mm. And then it was like, now you find a yeah. way to make this happen and yeah. to make it work. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's a different structure. Like uh, yeah. I think, like Laura has said, TJ Carr, I feel, and having done now consequently so much work for them in that area, yeah. they had to be, they had to be agile in a different way as a broadcaster. Yeah. They're not as monolithic a structure in a sense yeah. that RT is, although I've done work for them as well, and that's been good. And then because of being sort of forced to be agile, they embraced it hugely. Yeah. It's it's completely to their credit that they do yeah. that. Yeah. And that has made working with TJ Carr for me genuinely like the yeah. the more enjoyable of the broadcasters to work yes. with. Right. Yes. Okay. You know, not without its challenges. Yes. Of course, lang language is yeah. one of them because yeah. you have to you have to be aware that that is at yeah. the heart of what TJ Carr yeah. is doing. And, you know, oh no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, Rachel, what about you? I'm gonna jump on the Limerick bandwagon and say we had to drive <laughs> through it to get to North. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a cheap shot <laughs> but my dad was from North Kerry and they had Irish at home not for political reasons funnily enough my grandfather was a kind of a dev person and he insisted that they all speak Irish at home so they were a little kind of island mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Wicklow went to school through English and then for the last two years of my education went and did the um, Ortesh the Leaving Cert through right. Ireland okay. so I went from a little bit like um, Martina's talking about, full immersion. Uh, yeah. came from a normal kind of the mainstream English education system. I loved yeah. Irish in school and right. I enjoyed it and always, I suppose, from coming from where I was coming from, saw it as a very natural thing that you would speak English and Irish. Yes. Um, yes. That was the full on immersion. Organic chemistry, Oscailge, mm -hmm. was a. <laughs> right. Was yes. And, um, and yeah, that was really, once I did that, you kind of just have. You don't have a choice at that age. You would yeah. be 15 years old. You're either yeah. going to be fluent within six months or, or you're gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that's how, how, how I came to be a fluent speaker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet you have, haven't you? And I know it's the case maybe for, for, for maybe it's the case for you too, Martina, but you have worked, haven't you, um, Rachel? It's English and Irish. Majority would be English language. Yeah. Um, but I love I love doing both. Yeah. And I would feel it was a bad year if I wasn't doing right. something yeah. Yeah. And I particularly love, and, and I think it has worked really well recently, is bilingual programming. I love yes. that. I mean, I think that is just so yeah. welcoming, inclusive. It's so good to be able yes. to have. And it reflects a real reality for people. Yes. And 
especially when people are a little bit nervous about mm. maybe they're I think it's it, it's very good to make bilingual programming yes, yes. we all live in a world of reading subtitles now yeah. so yeah. It's, it's even more accessible than before yeah. so yeah so I my kind of thing is I, I love to feel that I'm working in a in a neither English nor Irish but a very nice yeah. bilingual yeah. <laughs> broadcasting world and, and Rachel if you're putting together a team for whatever yeah and let's say you're making something for Teach Catter do you have to have everybody around you speaking fluent Irish? Well, what happens generally is as a director, you kind of get asked onto a team. So I'm right. to get the other side of that. So okay. A producer who may or may not have English or Irish, may or may not have Irish, but may have a good story to tell and may yeah. have a good, you know, a very good, will often put together a team with strong Irish speakers. Yes. I mean, and that kind of collaboration, I think, has, has worked very well mm. in getting kind of good talent mm. all working together mm. I think the critical point for me is when you're shooting and when you're on set and especially if you are dealing with interviewees mm. I mean I think it's extremely disappointing when somebody who's a fluent Irish speaker says to me oh there was somebody making a program and they turned up and hardly any of them spoke Irish that's the situation you want to avoid yeah that the face-to-face -face, and, and I don't even really know why people want to do that. Mm. So I think that's why the team is important, mm. that you know, you'll always have somebody there who is, you know, key people with fluent mm. Irish, but that doesn't exclude collaboration. Mm. And I mean, you're not going to get the whole way through a, a documentary, you're not going to get a grader with Irish or a, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to find every the single lot. Yeah. You're just not. Yeah. So so I would work in a you know in a in a bilingual mm. world. And I, and yeah. I, yeah, I like that. I'm quite happy to work in a purely English or purely Irish, but I, I do like the bilingual thing. I think mm. when we're talking about diversity, yeah, it's a good way to think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Laura, are you are you, are you like um, Siobhan in the sense that are you a native Irish speaker? No, no, and, and just sorry to go back on Rachel's point. I think that's really key, and we put a huge emphasis on that when it comes to crews and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, you do want if, if if you're going in as a crew and you're you're asking someone to tell their story, Australia, a real compelling story, and then you turn off the camera and everyone starts chatting in English. Yeah. There's just a real you know lack of authenticity about that. So so that's I suppose that's even in crews and number people and some people that you do out there. But sorry to go back to what you're saying because I was thinking it probably is interesting. You're talking about you know do you need art to get in, but also how Irish is very useful I suppose to crack into the industry as well. And that would have been my own experience and the experience of so many people. I'm I'm a half Yank dub. Um, I got the states when I was eleven or twelve, spoke no Irish, didn't came back. To do, to, came back to primary school and was offered exemptions, but my uncle had moved to a girl in County Meath at the time, and he refused to speak English to me. And I played a bit of trad music, and I kind of caught it quick. But I went to English language medium schools all through in up north side of Clontarf, Dublin here, and um, then did I, like I was. I suppose I was kind of in that world through trad music a little bit, and I did Irish and history as a degree, and then ended up going to moving down to Galway to do. The course at Cumberside, which is a course, a one-year higher diploma course that a lot of people have gone through the system in. But having Irish was the real in. Like I think at the time where you're kind of knocking on doors, and like I started off doing a bit of radio initially, and through that I did an Irish language program with Claire FM, and that was the kind of way in there. And then I started working in news and current affairs, and you know, it was my way in in lots of ways. And I think even my first couple of producing and directing gigs, and I worked with. Telefish with Maureen Hoover, who I don't know if her name was Siobhan's predecessor, but she was she established Ross Maroon um, and sadly passed away a couple of years ago. But she was a really great woman for promoting female talent and supporting female talent all through the years in the west of Ireland. But you know, again, there were ins there having Irish and being able to produce Irish. I, I, I've worked through English as well and RTE and stuff like that through the years as a producer director, but it's really given me a, a, a pathway and I suppose accelerated my pathway. I was producing directing stuff like by the time I was in my late 20s, early 30s, there was women ifters or whatever, you know, that you'd be taking, you'd, you'd still might be grafting as a production assistant if you were just working through English potentially. Um, and even I suppose now a job, like I took on this job as commissioning editor kind of about six years ago now, I have to date it back to when my daughter was born. But like at the time as well, and you're talking about because I suppose sometimes there can be snobbery about language sometimes as well. Like I'm not a native speaker. I'm reasonably fluent, you know, but 
I remember going to the job, kind of going, I don't know, will they give it to me, you know, because, um, and I'm based out of Dublin now as well. I worked out of Dublin, I'm up and down to Galway lots. But I think that's been good as well, and even good for some of the production companies we deal with, because I suppose there was a few commissioning editors there that were there for a long, long time. Most are native Irish speakers, and I'm adding something different to a mix, because I am a, a learner of the language, if you like, yes. you know, fluent, fluent, fluent enough, but a learner of the language as well. So you're coming from it with that perspective and with that world, I guess, in your head when you're looking at ideas and considering um, proposals as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think what I think what Laura is saying there is really interesting, and I think she's completely underplaying her fluency. Ask get there, in my opinion. But anyway, I think, and it's really interesting because I'm not particularly aware of Martina or Rachel's background in the language. But you know, for me as a native speaker, I think a positivity, a positive attitude towards the language can be nearly as important. You know, it's interesting to hear people say, "I always love the language." Like that for me. Yes. can mean more than a fluency in some situations because you know unfortunately sometimes there can be a negativity associated with the Irish language and I know we're not here to discuss the insights of the Irish language but I think the person regardless of their maybe ability I think most people have more fluency than they think mm. but they don't uh, you know my husband is a Ross Common man who moved to Galway 20 plus years ago and he said until he arrived in Connemara he never heard people actually having a conversation outside of an educational environment and he now he is the proud father of four native speakers you know and um, but he he you know so i think i think a positive attitude towards the language can really in any in any context can go a long way and and um you know and then that allows that bilingual because the reality is in the language i am very you know as we say like i'm talking to my mom who yes. heard me and i'm slipping in and out i don't even realize i'm doing it um an american friend of mine recently was like i was following the whole conversation and next thing you know you were speaking a completely different language and i didn't even realize you've changed you know so it is seamless for for a lot of irish speakers to slip in and out yeah. and uh, so you know i think people who have a, a positive attitude towards if that's the right way to put it i think that really is half the battle you know so a number of things i want to go after uh, threads that you've mentioned there siobhan but just to clarify and get and get us where we are what i'm hearing you all saying really is that if you don't have great irish um but you have a good idea, you're a good writer, you have a passion for to tell a story, that you seek out people who maybe um, to collaborate with whose Irish is strong enough to, to engage. Is that, is, that, is that the way forward to, to seek out those who would collaborate with you is that is that the way for now Ross Naroon is a different story I'm I was going to say we're we're quite a different setup in that we yes. write Ask Vega and obviously you need to be fluent in Did Irish you? to yeah. write for us um and I would say and therefore you know it's a question all our directors direct Ask Vega all of our HODs there are people within our stable who are not Irish speakers particular departments it comes around to you know you interview your you Irish language you know for like more technical areas if you like of lighting or art department or you know where you may not always fill every role but we do actually endeavor year on year to fill the roles with Irish speakers where possible because it's actually a disadvantage to people to be there Irish is the language on set Irish is the language on the floor it is the language of our cast obviously so so we are a particular beast but it's interesting to me we often have people who and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but like the the extent of their fluency is is they're leaving certain of Like we're not looking for the next Park O'Connor. We're looking for somebody who has the ability to hold a conversation, you know. And and like Laura, for me personally, I think in a lot of jobs, obviously particular jobs need a, a grammatical fluency, if you like, from a writing perspective. Yeah. But there are many jobs where you need to be able to hold a conversation, and it, it really doesn't matter if you haven't swallowed Bontus Kanta or you know if you don't know the Oh, you know, you're, we're not asking you to write novels here, but but to have a fluency. And I think it's a respect thing as well, particularly for our cast. It's to be able to converse with them. Uh, it, it is the language of the production, you know, So and that's important. And I would have been involved in the past, for example, in programming for young people. And I think it's hugely important there when you're dealing with younger cast members or whether it's entertainment shows and schools coming in, you know, 
Um, I did a show for years for RTE, a quiz show, and we used to have kids from all over the country come to Galway and the excitement from the kids and those girls kind of from like Carlo and Tullamore and and it really was joyous for me as somebody who probably wasn't aware of 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 the huge influence in my opinion that Gaelic Scotland have have on many parts of the country you know in a very positive way yeah and, and Rosner Roan and Siobhan uh, quite quite before this now uh, my my picking up and my take on that talking to people is that it is a wonderful training ground for anybody who has any interest in a range of skills that you're very open to um, helping people through and, and, and allowing people develop different skills and talents. So um, it has a great reputation for that. Yeah, well, I mean, the model has been long since established by Morning Hill. I mean, yeah. We're in season 26 this year. Um, and and it's amazing. I mean, the key to that is that we have strong HODs and we tend to retain our HODs and new people come in and people are promoted year on year. So, um, you know, unfortunately, in some ways, we train people and no sooner are they trained than somebody else scobbles them up within the industry. And that is our biggest issue, which is, I suppose, a high class problem. A nice part of that is they often come back to us at a higher, you know, a higher um, grade within their department. Um, but we do have every year we would have a, 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 a good number of new people joining the team. But it's a very supportive environment. And because it's very controlled, because we shoot in our own studios, it's very controlled um, environment. And we would put a lot of time into making sure that people are learning. And it's a good, I suppose, opportunity for people to launch into the industry, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering where you all, or maybe I'll go back to you, Laura, for a minute here. You know, there's an awful lot to talk about equality and diversity, and clearly, you know, it's, it's very important to me as chair, it's very important to WIFT and so on, uh, and, and to many organisations out there now. It's really, we're having, you know, quite a moment, aren't we, where, where it is part of a vibrant national uh, conversation. Where is TG Cahar, um on diversity and equality? Are you aware of these issues, Laura? How key are they? Yeah, I, I, I guess not to go back over what we were talking about, but I think in essence, teaching care has always been at the forefront here because we are a minority language station. We're not, you know, um, you know, we've we've I promoted that we're not a monolingual country, um, you know, that we have that less Dublin skewed focus that we're looking at the country as a whole and what it means to live in rural Ireland, what it means to live in towns in rural Ireland, in the country, all sorts of things. And I think even that Sulella from everything that we've done from you know, documentary to drama to even some of the stuff we acquire, you know, like we would have been the first that would have taken on stuff like The Wire, Breaking Bad, different, different kind of edgier drama series that you could say, I suppose, were adding to the diversity of what was on Irish television stations at the time. But I think we've also, from the beginning, and I think coming, you know, prior to me being part of Teaching Care, I think Teaching Care was always great at promoting female talent. And, you know, that has always been the case from everybody that we have here in our company here. But, you know, some very talented directors kind of put their teeth like Sarah Walsh and Nasa Hardiman and stuff like that with Teaching Care on shorts and various in various projects through the years. Like Teaching Care as a um, as an organization itself is 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 quite um diverse i suppose in terms of female representation you know we have about just over 100 on our staff and there's a pretty delineated 50 50 male female there that would go right up through senior management on the board of together who's got a chairperson a female chairperson Rahala, and 50 percent female male um, on, on that board, including Siobhan. Um, and, you know, across all grades, I know I was asking one of my my colleagues to, just in terms of the breakdown of that, and you'd see it across across TGTR in terms of the 50-50. Funnily, we're in terms of decision-making commissioning process, we're a team of seven where there's only one male. So you could say <laughs> the diversity has gone the other way there and he's in charge of sorts. So um, it's, it's female for making most of the decisions. But I think content-wise as well, it's something we put quite a bit of an effort to. And content-wise, we've always probably been a little bit more male and older skewed when we look at audience figures. And that's something we've been trying to change in recent years. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, pay dividends in, you know, in terms of our content, focusing a little bit more on content that's going to attract um, a female audience. Um, we've done like a lot of documentaries. Myself and Rachel have been involved in a few documentaries of late 
that author documentaries that we really kind of, I suppose, pushed through the BAI, the likes of Sheila Shoriga, a miscarriage documentary, Avril O'Rourke, Altonisha. And it's funny, those documentaries did really well linear, but they had huge engagement on our social media channels across Instagram and stuff like that and got a whole new audience, female audience in particular, talking to us. Um, in terms of teaching ourselves, we, uh, we've established um, a kind of working group, a, a champions forum, if you like, to develop our, the, an updated diversity and inclusion um, strategy at the moment. And we meet once a month and talk about this regularly. We also, as you know, Susan, are um, working on trying to do a report at the moment in terms of looking at the industry and looking outward, uh, particularly, I suppose, with a female focus in terms of how we can um, help develop more female writers, directors, where the gaps in the industry are, and also, you know, something we've talked about before, how we keep them in the industry, because I kind of think, and, and possibly me sitting here with my TT Car branded background, instead of being a freelance producer director is part of that, you know, you get to a point sometimes in your career, and I just had my daughter, and a job came up as commissioning editor, my husband had gone back to studying at college at the time, and I was like, can I be going off on two and three week shoots anymore, and not being dependent? So I took the soup <laughs> and I'm sitting at this side of the desk now and kind of, you know, and part of that, I think there's there's possibly a drain that happens when, you know, female directors, you know, camera people, editors, people who are more out on shoots, I guess, a lot rather than in production or scripting roles start having kids. And then it's harder to maintain yes, yeah. that, that, that role in the industry. Yeah. So that's something we're, we're looking to... Um, I suppose, uh, survey our, 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 the people that work with us, our production companies and our freelancers to figure out how we can help support that and maintain that diversity, particularly I suppose in those key kinds of creative authored roles. Yes, uh, I think the key there for the industry, to be honest, is good continuity of work, which I think is an issue. What you tend to see is, you know, project shoots for six weeks and then you've no work. And, yeah. you know, I have four small children. My eldest is 13. My youngest started primary school last week and I'm lucky that I'm married to somebody within the industry which I sometimes wonder like if I was married to a plumber and I came in going Jesus Lorna Kelly said this or you know it's helpful to me that I can talk to somebody who who gets what my issue is and and I think I think it is a pressure point on a personal level I do think it's an industry you know it's long hours it's it's lots of travel it's um and it's not very family friendly whether it's children or other you know it could be older relatives, whatever your personal circumstances, um, people have personal commitments. And at some point, I noticed this in, in our uh, rustling shoots for six months of the year. And a lot of our people are Galway based, but then a lot of work that they might get the other six months might not necessarily be happening in Galway. And invariably we lose a lot of people, for example, it's a bit of a cliche maybe, they go back teaching, for example, and that probably ties in with being fluent Irish speakers. They retrain. Um, and and I can completely, you know, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who said, you know, uh, I'm not getting any younger. I can't be doing this travel anymore. I'm trying to get a mortgage. I need a steady job, <laughs> you know, and and I and I, I suppose when you're working for yourself, that's OK. You can somewhat be master of your own destiny, but it is difficult to, you know, work the hours and um, and I think particularly on set, I think it's 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 uh, and I'm not really sure what what can be done there. It's it's a difficult one to manage, you know, personally for everyone involved. Well, I suppose I suppose what I, I should say, I'm also on the board of Raising Films and um, Raising Films Ireland, which was just launched uh, last August. So I suppose it's really about getting the industry to understand how much it stands to lose. Uh, for you know, if, if parents are leaving, if or, or carers, if you if you feel that the structure of the day, uh, the structure of whatever your job is, lacks flexibility in any way, um, if if you're, it's it's just, it's a loss of a huge amount of talent potentially, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So we're, I suppose, it's been going in England already films for quite a while, and they they have report many reports actually, and Australia as well. And I suppose it's about. Um, seeing really whether 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 we can whether there's a flexibility whether things like job sharing you know part-time work are there ways in other words we haven't thought about before of uh, ensuring we don't lose all that talent you know um and people I mean, who love, that's their right. parents, they love their jobs as well 
I think that's really interesting. I do. I mean, and I don't mean to, you know, I find it hard to see how flexibility around work times, you know, I suppose everybody knows when you're on a production, I think particularly on a drama production, you know, your call times are sacred, your rap times are sacred, your your schedule is sacred for all kinds of boring financial corporate reasons and creative reasons. And, and you know, I, I do think that flexibility I'm not saying it's not possible, but I do think it would be very difficult to achieve. Like you need everybody there at the start of the day and you need everybody there. And for a creative vision, you need people, I think, in key roles to be there across the production. So it really is a difficult, because diff I've put an awful lot of thought into this, to be honest. I mean, it's interesting for me in a COVID world, we had to adapt how we worked in certain areas and uh, things that maybe had been suggested in the past and it was always said, no, no, we couldn't possibly hold the meetings virtually on Zoom or we all have to be in the same room to have that conversation. But very quickly, it, it was all possible in a relatively short space of time. We figured out how to do it. So I think it takes something kind of radical like that. Yeah. I'm not saying COVID was a positive yes. thing, but yeah. in some ways I think it, it broadened, certainly for me, it broadened my view on how people could work, what hours they could work yes. and how people had other things they had to look after in their lives, you yes. know? So yeah, no, that's very true, Siobhan. And um, uh, it is amazing when, when, when you have to do something, how you'll do it. And, and I'm, I'm conscious that we could talk about motherhood and raising films and everything else for the whole of this topic. So, but, but I know we can't, we have to move on. Um, but uh, Martina, you, you'll be very aware that there is a lot of conversation around equality and diversity and so forth in the industry at the moment. What are the kind of issues that, that uh, are important for you or that maybe that you, that you notice in your own working life particularly? Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's in some ways, well, I think for quite a number of women anyway, it is kind of hard to get away from motherhood and, you know, what that brings in all aspects of your life and particularly your working life. I was just reminded there, I mean, I have one child and he's 20 now, but when Luke was small, um, it was a real challenge, you know, that's putting it positively, um, for me to work out what I was going to do. To be honest with you, you know, at that stage, I was it was before I started my own company and I was doing a lot of work and I was a director of this other company and we did diverse work, mm. lots of different things, you know, mm. um, between was say I, I would run uh, documentary training courses for Screen Training Ireland in different parts of the country. And you do yeah. that, and you're, you know, son is very small. You're like, how long am I going to be away this time? And, and then shoots became. Can I say they became a problem? Yeah, they probably did. You know what I mean? And. It was like, Jesus, what am I going to do now? And how long is this going to be? And how will we schedule this? And I don't want to be away for more than this many days. And, you know, I don't work out. And I was also very lucky that my partner was staying at home at the time. Yeah. Luke was very small. But I mean, I couldn't have done it if he wasn't, you know. And that was the decision we made, as I say, when he was very small. But even so, I found that I was really thinking hard in different ways about the projects that I was trying to develop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and when he was from the age of about eight onwards, seven, maybe seven, eight, I was like, mm. I'm going to have to make this work. He's, he's coming on shoots with me. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. And I was like, OK, this is kind of crazy now, but I'm going to try and schedule things as much as I can during yeah. the summer holidays. And I, I, at the time, over those years that he was in those ages, I was doing a series for TG Carr called Winston Namara that involved shooting in the summer happy days right <laughs> and it wasn't just a case of scheduling but it made sense you know so like that was kind of how I did it like higgledy-piggledy trying to make it work and he wasn't on every shoot obviously that would be kind of nonsense but um but you know he came on a number of them with me and we kind of cobbled it but I mean it was cobbling cobbling things together but you make see, it work it, to do your professional yes, work by yes. the way yeah. you know that, that needed to be of yeah, a professional no, exactly. and, and it was but I think the reason I'm mentioning it really is, is for a number of reasons. And one is that it was a needs must situation. You had to find solutions. And the other was the part of me said, if you don't mind my language, fuck this. I have to make it work somehow. Yeah. And I'm not giving up what I do. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to give that up. So if I have to kind of think differently about this and, yeah. you know, so you, you kind of work those things out. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenge. Uh, 
challenges that people face mm-hmm. and they continue to face and I know they do because I talk to yeah. people now who of are having babies yeah. and small children you know yeah. and, and it's like wow okay we're still here yeah. brilliant yeah. Um, I think what Siobhan is saying is really interesting and everybody has seen it you know in some sort of capacity in the last year and a half wow we can find a way to make this thing work whatever the thing is mm-hmm. not everything obviously yeah. um but it's not even just about adaptability but a, about changing how you look at what you do you know and how you um how you interact with people um i would still always prefer to be, I prefer to be in a room with the you know having this conversation but this works yeah so it's okay you know it works yeah. and it works well yeah. like it's not just a pale substitution but it yeah. does work um I think maybe something that I've seen over the years that I've been producing and directing as well is visibility of women in not just movements, but, you know, movements, committees, boards, structures. Uh, I've seen that change to some extent, but not at all to the extent that I I would have liked to. And in terms of power structures and how they're how they're uh, how they motivate kind of what they do. And, you know, I still am, and I certainly was when I was a you know significantly younger woman, a very strong, staunch feminist. And I remember joining the board of something, I'm not going to mention the name of it now, but it was related to media, uh, you know, maybe 20 years ago, something like that. And after a while, I was like, wow, okay, so this is hmm, this is how it works. It was so male-centric. It was so like I felt like I was an add-on, some sort of little addition to the thing. Um, and I looked at the kind of structures within the media media as we would normally say film and television and I wasn't impressed at all you know I might have spent some of my time being involved in whatever kind of small changes there are there but I I'm not um I'm not so sure that kind of fundamental thinking has changed mm. in, in many and you know, but I would say and I and I do want to say this yeah. and it's not you know we're not just all here to to praise T.G. Carr <clears throat> I know it's not the purpose of the conversation but I genuinely have seen in my work with T.G. Cahar that different point of view. And it is, it's part of an agility of thinking. Mm. And it is absolutely a part, partly due to the fact that so many women, from the beginning that I started doing work with T.G. Cahar, were and still are in positions of influence and power to, to look at thinking, maybe to change it, you know, over a period of time. Um, and I haven't come across that anywhere else. Mm. So it's, you know, it is unique in the Irish yeah. Yeah. broadcasting and kind of media landscape. And it changes things. Yeah. It yeah. just changes things. Yeah. I mean, taking what you and and uh, Siobhan said there, and as I say, I know it is a much bigger discussion. And mm. by the sounds of it, we could have been here for the full hour talking about parenting, motherhood and everything else. And caring, of course, which is very important because at a certain time in your life, you mm. um, you know, you may not be looking after small children, but you may be looking after elderly parents and relatives that are equally uh, uh, such an important part of caring. Um, But uh, I wonder if we need to reimagine how we do it. I know we can look at the structures of the way things are done now and go, I can't see how this could be any different. But as you say, Siobhan, when, you know, if, if someone had told us four years ago that actually practically overnight, we would have had to completely uh, alter the way we did our business uh, as we have done, you know, since, since COVID kicked off. I wonder, is it similar that you, when you need to find a way, you find a way. If you don't need to, and there's no pressure to find another way, it's business as usual. But anyway, we, we, we can't, I suppose, go into too much of that now. Rachel, what are the things that, that kind of... Uh, impact on you the things that kind of that you feel are important to you in the whole equality diversity inclusion sphere if you like um i suppose definitely obviously the caring role is, is one definitely that needs to be addressed but as you say it's it's it, that's a big deep world fixing conversation to have i think that also um the the background of a lot of people in television because obviously your first jobs for a lot of people are internships, you're not well paid, it's sporadic work like Siobhan said, all that kind of thing. So you tend to get, we tend to get quite monocultural in our, in the background, and I'm talking about income and people who cannot afford to work yeah. in the industry really. I think that's a big, big one. 
Um, and I don't know whether that means that people are paid a better kind of general wage or that people have better access. But I do find that in the industry. I do find that a lot of people come from more or less the same background. Yeah. And I think Gail Scullerman will definitely help that. It's funny you talk about that, Siobhan, but I, th- I see Gail Scullerman as being such a massive change because they're in all kinds of different areas. There mm-hmm. are people all kinds of different backgrounds. They're the route to... Irish speakers with a big diverse world that's kind Absolutely. of exciting and I, I, you go to them and I've seen a guest called Cab Brown place like that that I've filmed it and you're kind of going this is the proper real great diverse mix and you'd love to you'd love to think that there's an industry that will welcome people from all those scales going that absolutely I think I think that's an I think it's an interesting point around cast and on-screen talent which honestly is something that is is difficult to achieve people with different backgrounds who have a fluency in the language particularly older people but actually hats off to Gaelskan there's a younger cohort of of if you want to call it new Irish people who are fluent and gen- generally if they have attended Gaelskan they're really proud of their ability to speak the language and and I have encountered them and I kind of roll myself into the annual musical in in the secondary school here in Galway uh, to see you know really talented teenagers of from all kinds of backgrounds and it's really refreshing because it, it is a it's you know I was having this conversation socially lately like my kids attend a Gaeltach school and there is not a lot of diversity in the people who attend there because their reality is there is not a lot of diversity where I live and I think it's probably I think the reality of it is that a lot of people choose not to locate in the Gaeltach because they see that as a as, as a barrier or as something that might be difficult to do from a language perspective from a day-to-day going about your business which is unfortunate um whereas in the in the Gaelskan in Galway city and um, they you do see that diversity and I think that is a, a wonderful thing it's certainly something that's our on our radar in a Rusteroon uh, from a Rusteroon perspective um and and we're getting there it's it's taking some time but we are getting there and it's certainly something that we are paying a lot of attention to um you know in our writing and how we can introduce a more diverse cast uh, to the show. And I, I i do think we're starting to see that like you said trickle in on screen and i suppose it's happening as society is progressing exactly yeah the, the traditional sense of tiki taha when if you have to be a fluent gold or you're unlikely to be able to find the most diverse but th- that is changing like everyone said from but also in general people and, and, and younger generations just being less I suppose hung up about oh my god am I fluent can I and just being willing to be out there and the power of social media and people being able to produce their own content you know we have um, uh, an, an, an online portal block um, that's for the 18 to 35 um, age group and there's a huge diversity that, that is coming through on that now I, I watched a series that Today, an offline series um, that that we're that we're doing through um, a scheme called Glue Nua to develop new talent, and, and there's so much diversity in in that. You know, from all sorts, from you know, um, you know, the LGBTQ community to um, mixed race people who speak Irish to all sorts. And a lot of us actually was talking about our our um, bias and unconscious bias in terms of and and there's just it's actually really refreshing to see people from all over the country from all sorts of backgrounds and I think a lot of that like I said is down to down to people being a lot more digital media savvy now and that will and it is filtering through on some of our linear programming as well but I think it's in digital content that it'll filter through probably the fastest and that's where we'll find a lot of that new talent to be able to to move to to the yeah. yeah no that, that's 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 great and they, they're great points you, you you raise i was involved in a piece of research funded by the bai which was an audit on gender and um diversity in the irish media sector out launched just uh, the end of july but again a lot of the things coming up um relating to you know the sameness of the people who have the ability to enter the industry, if you like, you know, because if you want to enter the industry and you want to take an internship, someone's got to pay for that. And I think that's a big thing. I think that's know. a big, big thing. And I also think yeah. that you get into the industry, and this is speaking to young women at entry level, you get funneled. And I know young women who want to be directors or want to be DLPs who get funneled into production. They cannot escape. It sucks them in mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're good at organizing. 
there, you know, they'll put in the time, they'll yeah. do all the work. And I, and I do see that, that as, as a kind of in, a loss of diversity in yeah. a way, because yes. the diversity of their choices, they just get funneled into this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's an awful lot to cover. I mean, class and uh, of course, you know, ethnicity, all of those things, as you're saying, Laura, I mean, it's, it's great to hear that that's coming through. I wonder if we were if we were back here in 10 or 15 years time, would we see um, a, a, a greater a mix of people who have Irish coming through the system? Do you think we will? Oh, I think we will, like was talked about. I think the, the Grayskillet movement, but also in general, I think in terms of, like I said, how Irish society is changing and how, how, how I suppose younger people are um, embracing Irish language and culture, culture and identity a little bit more in general, like across across society. And I think, like I said, Tita, we we are very much looking at it in terms of how we are as a staff and how we look at things in terms of bias and unconscious bias across all those spheres, but also in terms of, I suppose, the content that we produce, the people we want to look to hire, how we try and develop, and like you talked about, we're hopefully looking to do a little bit more kind of uh, traineeships and stuff like that. Looking at how we do that, perhaps in communities that are yes. not Yes. The, you know the normal communities that are, are, are that have been where where or where our talent has come from in the past. So I would be very helpful in that sense. Yeah. And can can I sort of just kind of wind ourselves down uh, by by a positive note? We talked about Arab there at the beginning, uh, Laura. And I, I don't know about you, but I find myself you know watching a range of shows on the light of Netflix, for instance, from everywhere you could think about and um the the fact that they're you know you know years ago people go or oh, they subtitled there was a big deal people used to make it seems to me now or am i being naive about that is that that's just becoming much more acceptable if it's a good story you want to watch it you know you just immerse yourself in it is this kind of um there's no reason why we couldn't watch enjoy and share by the way irish films, Irish programmes, with, with the broader audience. Would, would you guys agree with that? Oh, well, 100%. And like, funny, like I said, I, I've been working in acquisitions the past couple of years again, but even my predecessor, Durbla, would have been the first who would have picked up the likes of the Scanty Noirs that would have been on TG Cameron now. I've recently rebought them as box sets for TG Cameron now as well. But like I'm often at the markets at MIP and stuff like that. And you see in the past, I suppose, three to five years I guess this huge push that everything is oh it's in three different languages it's in four different languages and it doesn't matter what it's in it does have to be the mama mama leave English or US series anymore so I think that opens a huge amount of doors for everything and not just drama documentary yeah. as well, you know like yeah. subtitles at this stage you know absolutely and I think a strong compelling story is what you want yeah, it is indeed. What do you what do the rest of you think? Would you agree with that? that well, with Cine Cahar, I always remember somebody saying kind of around the launch of that, that, you know, think of your product going to film festivals and don't think of the film festival necessarily being West, but think of it being East and think of just think of it going a different way. And we've all been at film festivals where you're perfectly happy, even maybe feeling a bit proud of yourself going in, watching an obscure subtitle or something. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think it is that thing that we all kind of now can totally buy that product. And it's a really nice way to think of the world, I think, mm. to look both ways, not just to think it all has to go to the English speaking world where this will be a pain. Yeah. It, yeah. it isn't that. It's going to go to countries where people speak lots of different languages. Right. And subtitles or subtitles. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. I, yeah, I do think it's interesting because I actually 10 years ago would have been the queen of going, oh, no, I don't want to. I'm too tired to go to the cinema and read subtitles. You know, please, can we watch some American blockbuster yeah. movie, whatever, Bridget Jones diary. But actually, you know, your view has totally changed. And I think the storytelling, I, I think, is key and the and the writing talent and i think that is something that there's probably you know to develop more writing talent who are fluent who are able to write ask because i do think that's an important an important thing and i know it's what cine is it's it's aimed at people who are writing 
through Irish, you know, um, as opposed to coming to that end script in any other way. And I do think that's important to develop that talent. I suppose the thing, and, and this was this was mentioned at the beginning, uh, the reality is that all Irish speakers generally are fluent in English as well, you know. So by by training somebody, you know, and I would say this, I think um, I always say this, I don't really get hung up on what language the training is being provided in. Train the Irish speakers and then they can adapt it. But, you know, uh, I think sometimes we might get a bit hung up about Irish versus English, whereas I think it's the best stories, the best writers and to develop and to continually develop, which TG Carr do a very strong job of in fairness mm. about trying to develop new talent and, and mm. you know, traineeships. There's a scheme at the moment with production companies to get work placements for a year, which gives people, an, a, you know, it gives companies an opportunity to have somebody working with them on an ongoing basis. And it gives those people coming into the industry a genuine shot at a 12 month contract to see what they like and maybe not get funneled into areas they're not interested in. So I do think it's in fairness to TG Cahar um, that they do make a lot of efforts there compared to maybe other broadcasters. Okay. Martina, what, what are your thoughts on it? I think kind of a mixture of what everybody is saying there. I mean, fundamentally, it is a collaborative process, mm -hmm. you know, making a project at all, yeah. coming up with an idea, you know, finding finding a way to develop an idea and then to find a receptive home for it. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, we're talking yeah. about TGR. Um, and then, you know, building a team. So all of that kind of process is collaborative. And I, th I think that, you know, in common with what Laura and Siobhan are saying there, um, training people and training people in the right way is, is a kind of fundamental thing that needs to be really seized. And here we are, you know, with women, film and television talking about that. Um, I have a friend who's involved in an initiative that's also really interesting that is primarily on teenage girls. And it's something that I hope to be bringing to Ireland at some point, but it's containing all of those elements that you're talking about, you know, people who wouldn't necessarily find themselves naturally mm -hmm. in that landscape, in that environment. So that's important mm -hmm. as well as people who would, you know, be, because look, you know, creating stories, creating films, creating projects of any kind. Um, one of the thrilling things about doing it is mm -hmm. the collaboration with people and is the, is then having the chance to put an audience, yeah. you know, at yeah. some point after you go through the yeah. horror and all the rest of it of trying to make it. Um, so it's really important mm -hmm. that we play to our strengths yeah. in those ways. And remember that like the open door is always the one yes. you want people yes. to see, yes. you know, because creatively our, our, our imaginations, our stories, yes. all of those things that we make work, we make work yes. best, not when we yes. close the door, on um, people who are coming behind yes. or from other mm. places. But, you know, to, to keep that vision mm. open um, and then to do some practical yes. about it. So, I mean, so that I'm not just yes. waffling on here, but that we're thinking, yes, yes. we can actually do yeah. things. Can, can, I, can I ask a question? We, we can't... Just put out, uh, give you a sense as to what people are thinking. Do you ever take on writers and translate their work to Irish? Would that not open up a lot of opportunities for writers and, you know, uh, I suppose give Tijikara a wider range of stories. I don't know if that's something that... Uh, Laura, well, I think like Siobhan alluded to that before. Yeah. You know, our, our remit is to develop Irish language writers. Yes. You know, it's a, that is always our primary... Is, is, is our primary focus, you know, to, to look at that Irish language talent. You know, it has been done in the past, but it's funny, you can kind of sometimes see the results of that on the screen as well. When something is translated directly, it, you're not... There's a lack of authenticity sometimes to it. So, you know, it, you know, we, we'll never say to yes. story, but our, our, our big priority, and particularly with Cine Cahar, is developing Irish language yes. writers and scripts and ideas that were originated in the Irish yes. Is it uh, is it something that, for instance, that questioner, is it something that, for instance, say you have a writer who has written something that it's very good, they don't have Irish, it, 
would would your advice be to team up with a fluent Irish speaker? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's not really T.G. Carter's brief to go translating. Um, no, well, well, also we're a publisher, a publisher broadcaster essentially, so all of that would come through the production companies. Yes, you know, the production companies propose to us. So I think if an English language writer has a really good idea, they're they're it would be really worth my while having a look at some of the same characters that have been done to date yes. and developing kind of chat with some of the production companies yeah. that, that are doing this to see potentially they could team up with yes. some other writers and bring yeah. their idea to the screen that way. Yes. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that's reasonable. Um, folks, I, I want to thank you very much. I've really, really enjoyed that discussion and I would happily chat on for another hour. Um, so we're very, very grateful to, to each and every one of you for giving up your time and joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm uh, going for my screen here now. Rachel, Siobhan, Laura and Martina. Um, I've really, really enjoyed that conversation. And uh, I hope that in, in other ways that you, you can come back and chat to us about a range of different things. It doesn't have to be necessarily, this is the TG Cahar, you know, this is the TG Cahar hour. Um, uh, thank you very much indeed. I've, I've enjoyed hearing about your work uh, and um, learning a lot more about what you do. Um, so the best of luck to you and uh, hope to see you all again soon. This talk has been made possible thanks to our sponsor, the BAI. If you would like to support Women in Film and TV Ireland or see the work we do, log on to wft.ie.